0: It's the Legal Toolkit with Jared Korea.
1: With guest Chris Stock, we play shit Australians say. And then, show up for an interview? Stick around for Jared's thoughts on airline peanuts. That's right, we've got what you're craving. But first, your host, Jared Korea.
0: It's time for the Legal Toolkit podcast. You know that because all the crickets have fled the area. The animals always know first. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though my carpenter space pen is lost in the couch cracks. I'm your host, Jared Crea. You're stuck with me because Trevor Noah was unavailable. He had a daily show commitment. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. You know, sometimes you have such a great conversation with a podcast guest You just need to forgo your usual monologue so you can publish more of that. And that's what we're going to do today. I brought my great Australian friend Chris Stock on, and we'll publish our lengthy dialogue in a moment. Now, before we get to our interview today with Chris Stock, I have a short message for you. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the eSign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuBee is an easy to onboard full suite of products and includes eSignature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuBee doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docubee.com. Dot com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Okay, everybody, let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal sandwich. Today's meat is kangaroo. And I don't know, maybe our guest today has even eaten kangaroo. I'll ask him. Um, all right, let's do this thing. It's time to interview our guest. My guest today, who I'm very excited to have on, is uh, Chris Stock. Who's the founder and CEO of CGS Advisory? But he's done so much more that we're going to get into. Chris, man, how you doing?
1: Great, thanks, uh, Jared. Thanks for inviting me to be the meat in the legal sandwich today. <laughs>
0: yes, <that's laughs> you you? looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I- I've been remiss to not have you on the show before this, but I was waiting until you set up your advisory so you could talk about literally anything without anybody in corporate slapping you on the wrist. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't have to pull, I don't have to do any marketing today. So, you know, I'm here for a good chat with you about it, whatever you'd like.
0: Yeah, so what I wanted to talk about, just in case people don't know who you are, which I know a lot of people in legal know who you are, you've had like a super interesting career in legal tech. So can you just give me the rundown on that? Like, how'd you get started? Where'd you go work? And just basically talk me through your career at Leap, and then we'll talk about the segment after Leap in a moment.
1: Yeah, Jared. I, I've been very fortunate in life, um, in that my career has taken me to a lot of places, and I was able to work for a company like Leap, uh, that was growing and So, for, it at so the for right folks time. who
0: don't know, Leap, legal software company, has a lot of different products based out of mm-hmm. Australia. You can add anything to that if you want, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'll probably just take you right back to when I was a child, right? And when okay. I was a child, oh, let's do it. Great. My dream, my dream from the time I was a child was to live in New York City, right? And huh. I, I dreamt of it. I had vivid dreams. I can remember the dreams. So, you know, that's why I say I was very fortunate to end up where I am today via the way of a, a great employer. But, you know, I started my career in legal when I was 18. I yeah. had gone to university for six months. I didn't enjoy it. I was doing a Bachelor of Science. And I thought, well, I want to do legal, but am I ready to commit to four years only to find out I don't like it in the end? So I went and started yeah. working at a law firm as a junior. And before I knew it, seven years had gone and I'd hit that glass ceiling. I was managing a very big property law department, but I didn't have a law degree and it was time to decide what I wanted to do. So I'd had enough and I loved the tech side of the law firms. And because at the time I was the youngest guy in the firm, Mm -hmm. by nature of that, I was the tech guy. So I was being responsible for implementing software and fixing computers and all that sort of stuff. So I Googled legal software jobs and... I oh. quit my job at 10. I had an interview at 12 and I was hired by Leap at 5. And, oh you know, I, I joined as a training and implementation consultant. And I right. did that for about two and a half years. And at which point I went into management and I managed that department for the state of Victoria, which is where I lived. Mm-hmm. And then I was moved to Sydney. And when I was in Sydney, I ran a number of different roles. I ran the training and implementation department. Uh, I ran that Australia-wide. And I also then moved across to become the first product manager of Leap's first cloud product, and I ran partnerships and things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I was very fortunate that Leap decided to expand into the UK, yep. so I moved to the UK in 2014. A little closer
0: to New York, right?
1: Just a little, little. Close, got the, <laughs> a little bit closer to New York, and you know I was there for seven months. And my my boss at the time, Richard Hugo Hammond, uh, the executive chairman of Leap took me out for breakfast and said, hey, we've got an opportunity. And, I, and I'm gonna make it a bit short of the story. I, I could tell this story <laughs> for an hour, but you know, he took me downstairs and said, you know, do you, what would you say if I asked you to move to America? We've got a, an opportunity over there. And I said, look, if you can allow me to live in New York, I'll do whatever you want. And he said, okay, well, how about you move there tomorrow? And I said, I'm there. So you know, I couldn't get a flight the next day, but two days later I was on a flight to New York and I founded Leap in the United States. Yeah. And then I moved from there to uh, manage as the CEO, a a joint venture company uh, called PC Law Time Matters. That was a a joint venture between Leap and LexisNexis. And most recently, I was the chairman of a Leap company called Leap Wealth, which focused on estate planning and elder law. And now I'm taking a bit of a break so that I can give back to society a little bit.
0: Okay. You took a little bit of a break after you (laughs) left Leap. And you've got this consulting thing going on. You're working with a nonprofit. So can you get people up to speed on what you're doing now? Because I think you're doing some really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a few things that I'm doing at the moment. Being out and having a bit of a break is I'm pretty recharged. And yeah. I'm able to look into areas that I couldn't previously do because I was so focused in the world that I was in. But I've been working with a not-for-profit called A Second You Foundation for a little mm-hmm. while. Um, when I first arrived in the US, I was introduced to the world of re-entry. And it's very different to anywhere else in the world. And, you know, it's really a a very important social topic. We have a lot of problems in the criminal justice system here, mass incarceration Mm -hmm. of minorities in particular. And, you know, it's something that became pretty dear to my heart because when I first arrived here, I was introduced to a not-for-profit called New Jersey Reentry Corporation. Mm -hmm. And we gave them LEAP so that they could reinstate driver's licenses for people coming back from prison. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and that's now run by the former governor of New Jersey, Governor McGreevy. And, oh, yeah, he does a great job over at that uh, that hmm. not-for-profit and we recently met with him and, you know, they just really changed the community. But what happened is I was doing that and then I was at my local gym and I saw a guy there that was being followed around by cameras and he had a second U across his T-shirt. I'm like, what is a second U? Why are these guys being followed by cameras? <laughs> so I had a look and, you know, I Googled them there and then and, and saw what they were doing. And what they do is they help people re-enter society through wellness. And really that's personal training. And they're pretty selective in the people that they bring into the program. And I should say yeah. they, because back then it was they. And I would introduce myself <laughs> yeah. to, to Hector and I introduced him to a contact at, uh, who was from NJRC who had moved on to Uh, Working really in politics. Uh, John Kufos is his name. He was very Mm -hmm. heavily involved in the Safe Streets Second Chances Act to the point where he was standing in the White House next to Donald Trump, Kim Kardashian and Jared Kushner when Donald Trump signed the act. So I introduced him to to John and John got him his very first government grant, well not government grant, private grant through Koch Industries, who was heavily involved at the time. Mm. So I became friends with Hector over time and really understood his mission, which was what they do is they don't just help someone move back into society. And I'm going to move to yeah. we now. Yes, Hector right. asked me to become the chairperson of the foundation earlier last year. And, and that was the thing that I actually did when I when I left Leap. Oh, that's and fantastic. what yeah. what we do is we break a cycle in a community. And some people can be a little bit uncomfortable with providing great opportunities to someone re-entering society. But yeah, yeah, the reality is this, you know, people have paid their time for their crime that they committed. And if we weren't a society that it believed in second chances, then everybody should just get a life sentence. And people shouldn't yeah. serve a life sentence yeah. once they leave prison because they have to tick a box that says, I committed a felony. Mm. The way I explain it to people is if you think about a family in a, you know, let's say somewhere in Brooklyn, let's say in Brownsville and we've got, we've yeah. got a father of some kids out in, Brownsville, his parents were addicted to drugs. He saw them go in and out of prison. You know, there's literature that says children of justice involved parents are six times more likely to become uh, justice involved themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, those children are watching that happen and then they start doing the same thing. And what happens is they're very low on the income spectrum. Most of them don't have, have never had jobs. When they get out yeah. of prison, they can't get jobs or they can't get jobs that actually sustain any type of income or any type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a livable wage and they go back into prison. In yeah. New York City, you know you can get personal trainers straight off training at $80,000, $100,000, $130,000 salaries. Huh. So what we do is we get people who are coming back into society and we train them up and they're suddenly on a livable income. and we actually get them to the point where they can purchase their own property. So we, when oh, they get amazing. out, we get them to get a secured credit card and mm-hmm. we teach them to manage that. And then after two years, we've got a mortgage broker who after two, being two years of gainful employment, they can actually apply for a loan. And what that actually does start breaking that cycle because that father who in the past would have highly likely reoffended because they couldn't right. get a proper job is now yep. earning real money. Their children have a role model their children inherit wealth for the first time ever in that family. And then that flows on through generation into generation into generation. And that is really what gravitated me to Hector and his mission, Mm -hmm. because it's not a one person fix. This is a generational fix that we can affect by providing a proper level of employment somebody who's never been given that opportunity in the past and in fact we're destined to end up nothing because society made it that way so you know i've got a lot of passion around that and you know what hector's been able to do and what he's been able to build he's got an under a two percent recidivism rate oh that's amazing uh wow. yeah he's got I think he's got we're up to we are up to about 400 people have been through the program now. So they're trained up certified personal trainers. A lot of them are entrepreneurs running their own business. We've recently had the big corporate gyms out there signing up our graduates. So it's all really, really exciting. And yeah, we're looking at how we can expand that into a much bigger program down the track.
0: I thought you were going to say that the person being followed by all the cameras is a rock or somebody
1: famous. Well, is, the rock does train at that gym, but he, he's never followed by cameras. His people make sure he's not. Yeah, that, that makes gets, sense. Gets followed by me and they make sure that, he, that he's not too, but you know.
0: That is, I think that's fantastic. Can you tell me a little bit about the consulting company you just launched as well? Because you got that going on too. And then that'll feed into my next question.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So there's there's consulting there. There's another thing that we're working on that I'm going to be launching pretty soon. Um, The consulting side of things is that when I moved to the UK, the brief that I was given was go set up a payroll to make sure you get paid and then figure everything else out. Right. And before (laughs) I went, I commissioned a study with one of the big four accounting firms and it cost like 20 or 30 grand, something crazy. And they told me nothing, like absolutely nothing. When I arrived in the UK, I saw our local lawyer and he told me what they would spend 20 grand on getting a report (laughs) on back in Australia in five minutes over a coffee. Right. Um, So, and, you know, I think a lot of businesses, when they look to expand internationally, it can be very daunting. And there are certain things that are different in each market. And, you know, I learned very quickly in the UK that there was a lot that Australians and international businesses could take uh, advantage of uh, Mm -hmm. from tax perspectives and the like, that they don't really advertise. And then when I moved to the US, it was learning a new jurisdiction all over again. And the US was yeah. very, very different. You know, the, yeah. the health insurance over the here, I think most Americans don't even understand how health insurance works. And, you know, there, there is corporate setups and accounting considerations and sales taxes are different in every state. And I just thought to myself, you know what? It took me two years to understand... US landscape. And it took, you know, I'm still learning the actual business landscape, I don't think you ever stop because things can be different in counties. Yeah. And there's I think there's 2400 counties in the US. So things can be different in in, from county to county. And I looked at that and said, you know what, that is really stressful for somebody who is looking to enter a new market. And then recently, a friend of mine had actually referred one of their clients to me who was looking to expand to the US. I just spent two hours with them over coffee. And they said, ah, oh, Chris, I, I think you've just saved me two years in those last two hours. <laughs> so when they said that, I thought, you know what? I think I can do that for businesses looking to expand into the jurisdictions I've been in. I've been in the US, I've been in the UK, Australia yeah. and Canada. Yeah. And I know the people that I need to know. I know the best people in their fields, in all of those countries when it comes to setting up business and understanding the business landscape. I'm also pretty skilled in strategic planning and assisting entrepreneurs in learning to strategic plan. So I figured why not set up a consultancy based around that? And that's what I did.
0: Awesome. All right, let me let me ask you this piece of it related to the consulting because one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is to get your real opinion on stuff before you have to go corporate again. <laughs> so like, you you I've
1: got to be nice. I might never be allowed to go corporate again if I answer something <laughs> too too honestly.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. We'll find a good balance. But you you actually spearheaded a lot of acquisitions previously, mm-hmm. as you talked about, and set up companies in different countries. So like. Leap was one of these organizations that has made a lot of acquisitions over time. But now over like the last two, three years, a lot of these legal tech providers like the big ones and investment houses are making tons of acquisitions, consolidating services in legal tech. So as somebody who's been in that world, like what do you think of that moving forward? Like is that going to continue at the pace it's going at right now? And what does that mean for attorneys if it does?
1: Honestly, Jared, there's not much left to acquire over okay. the last two years <laughs> and you know, the I shelf is what, bare <laughs> yeah it's it's fairly bare there's there's always startups that pop up in legal tech a lot of them fail i'm constantly asked about companies that pop up and then disappear yeah. so i've really always made it my business to know about providers that actually have customer bases and providers with customer bases have almost been stripped from the shelves as well yeah yeah um, yeah. The, the interesting thing, you know, I was talking with someone the other day in a, in a private equity firm, and I don't know what these private equity companies that have spent lots of money on these providers over the last couple of years are going to do because you know tech values have plummeted. Yeah, so right. So a lot of these acquisitions have taken place at Absolute premiums, like huge premiums, and if you just go and look at Bob Ambrosie's website, you can go and look at the premiums because somehow he finds out about the kind of confidential information that other others don't know about.
0: He's like deep but, throat over there. But yeah, that's kind
1: of where I get my information from that I'm that I'm allowed to talk about because that's public, right? right? So if anything right. I say, he's coming right. from Bob Ambrosie, not what someone's told me on the side. But but, um, but yeah, they you know there was huge sums of money spent on. Premium multiples of revenue EBITDA right. during the pandemic phase, and then what we've now had is over the last you know twelve months we've had the Nasdaq's really plummeted. You've had companies yeah. like Salesforce have bottomed out, and that's really going to impact the valuations of a lot of these acquisitions that were done of the you know legal software providers over the last couple of years. So I think that we're probably going to see a little bit, I would say a slowdown in that space, because there's not much left. And what has been done, you know, there's a couple of different types of acquisitions and really Mm -hmm. private equity acquisitions, are the ones where, you know, honestly, I used to get excited when that happened, because I always felt the private equity really wanted to milk businesses for uh, value, they weren't really great at growth, and didn't quite understand what it would take to affect growth in the legal technology space. And with the multiples they've spent, I don't know how they're gonna get a return.
0: Hmm. And it sounds like for acquisitions to come at a fast and furious pace again, that means some of these existing startup companies are really gonna have to take off, right? Yeah, the startup
1: companies taking off or private equity firms wanting to fire sale stuff that they've realized that they're not gonna be able to get a return on. And I don't see that that really happening.
0: Let's talk about something totally different because we were talking about this before we got you on the show which is (laughs) ChatGPT.
1: I thought you might ask me about that. (laughs) Everybody's
0: talking about ChatGPT. You know, like when my mom texts me about the technology trend, I know it's gotten pretty deep into the American (laughs) consciousness. So ChatGPT, a lot of lawyers are interested in this. Some lawyers are starting to use it to do some things. I know you've been playing around with it a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like, So let's start with what you think about it in its current format. And then what mm-hmm. it could become. And then I also want to talk a little bit about the legal tech arena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who's going to start using it? Who's going to win out in that AI race? But let's yeah. start with what you think about it like in its present state.
1: Yeah. I will caveat this with I've always been okay. anti-buzzword. And yes. I've always That's fair. I've always spoken out against blockchain personally. I think it's slow technology. I think it was a fad because of Bitcoin. I was against it because if you look at where Bitcoin really gained its popularity from, it was from Silk Road, which meant a whole lot of people that ordered drugs back in college all of a sudden became millionaires because they'd forgotten about a Bitcoin they still had in their wallet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, to me, to me, I felt that that was a problem. I I, I, you know, I thought there was might have been a bit of an ethical, moral problem with, with right. why blockchain had become had become so popular. Yeah, that's and fair. you know, I've I've always been against the word AI, and I've always kind of gravitated towards machine learning because I think for mm-hmm. something to be truly AI, it needs to be able to rewrite its own algorithm with its own thoughts and effectively be sentient. But right. I think my mind's changing with ChatGPT. And I've spent a bit of time on ChatGPT recently. Okay, yeah. And I thought I'd test it out with my new advisory business. Mm -hmm. So the advisory company LinkedIn page has been completely done with ChatGPT. Before we got on today, I thought I'd write an article. Uh, It's at CGS Advisory LLC on, on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. I
1: thought I'd write an article about what CGS Advisory can do for you. And I did that in ChatGPT.
0: Oh, man. All right, go and check that out, everybody.
1: <laughs> what I discovered with ChatGPT right now is that it is good. It is good. There's no doubt about it. But it's only as good as the input that you give it, the same mm-hmm. as what Google searches were back when there was a format doing Google searches. Right, now, right, right. Chat GPT ChatGPT is a bit more plain language. So what I wrote was I went into ChatGPT and I said, create an article, based on CGS Advisory, and I gave it a hyperlink to the LinkedIn page. Uh, and you can also use my personal hyperlink, and I put that in as well. All right, so yeah. about how CGS Advisory can help with immigration, business setup, accounting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I put in a few different parameters. So it's about five lines of text. Mm. And I hit enter, and it spat out an entire article. <laughs> but what it did was it actually made it look like CGS advisory would be doing the legal work, doing the immigration work, and doing oh, the accounting work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wrote, this article looks like I will be performing the work. Can you please note that a partner network will be performing the work? And then it refined it. But what it then did is in every paragraph, it would reference the partner network. Oh, right, right, right. So the next yeah. thing I wrote, in plain English, I wrote, the article is now repetitive, can you please mention the partnership angle once and rewrite the article and it did and mm. it was right so then i pasted that into linkedin and i didn't know what hashtags i should put in there so i said can you let me know what <laughs> hashtags i should put in and the hashtag spat out and they were they you know when i examined them they looked pretty good to me and then i didn't know what heading to give it i said can you suggest a heading for my article and it gave me five different options to pick from <laughs> and they were all much better than what I'd done myself. And then it wanted nice. a picture. So I went to an AI app that I have on my iPhone that can generate AI, AI pictures. Mm-hmm. And I typed, create grayscale New York skyline for LinkedIn article. And it created an AI generated New York City skyline for the article. So I did that and then I thought, you know what? I, I know awesome. Jared loves quirky stuff and I know that this, I love quirky yeah, I know, stuff, I know, I know, Yeah, I know that your podcast can occasionally devolve, <laughs> uh, devolve into all sorts of things like Disneyland and, and who knows what else. So, We're all over the place, So, so yes. here's one for you today. I love a vanilla slice. A vanilla slice is an Australian kind of pastry. We call it okay. a snot block it's full of custard. <laughs> it's basically a block of custard, which is hard enough to get in America on its own. Sandwich yes. between I've, two. I've lots never of,
0: heard of this before. He measures it to me. <laughs>
1: Sandwich <laughs> between two pieces of puff pastry with <laughs> vanilla icing across the top of it. And I looked for a recipe the other week, and I could find Sounds them, delicious. but the ingredients are called different things in America. And I'm not a chef, you know, like I, I started doing it. I started burning the cuss. I had to scream for Catherine, my wife who was upstairs to come down and, and basically cook it for me. yes. But, yes. So I went, went to chat GPT and I said, can you please provide me? And I, you know, this is the thing. You start getting used to being polite to the thing. Like I'm saying, can you right. please right. provide me a vanilla slice recipe <laughs> that advises which ingredients to substitute in the United States. Yeah. And it That's did. awesome. And it was perfect. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I could go and match it with any vanilla slice recipe anywhere, and it was absolutely a vanilla slice, and it was telling me which ingredients to substitute. I couldn't believe it. So I That's do amazing. believe ChatGPT is the real deal. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive.
0: If it can make an Australian vanilla slice, I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, well, let me ask you the follow-up question, which is maybe... Um, maybe a little bit too simplistic, right? Everybody's now talking about, okay, which legal tech company is going to start using technology like this? Who's going to win? Do you have any
1: thoughts on that at this point or is it too early? You know, I have some thoughts on it. I've seen a couple of startups that are trying to use it. And and really there's a big difference between jumping on the bandwagon and using it innovatively. Yeah. And I think the winner, the ultimate winner is going to be the legal tech company that allows a lawyer to put in a simple human request and have a proper legal output. At the moment, Mm. what I've seen is there's a lot of setup required with the integrations that they're using with ChatGPT and those sorts of things. Right. You know, if I was able to, and I tried to do this actually on ChatGPT, and I'll tell you what the outcome was. But Hopefully it was
0: I'm, a delicious yeah. vanilla slice. No, go ahead. Well, I
1: think lawyers will love. what I think the, it'll be a delicious vanilla slice of uh, of law? knowledge for the lawyers <laughs> when they find out what it said. I think it'll. I think it'll put a few minds at rest. Um, but I put. I typed in, prepare divorce application for Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in the state of New Jersey, and I oh, thought nice. I might get a, a document that was kind of had the basic information filled in, perhaps. But what it did is it came back to me and said, "This is legal work you are trying to attempt. We do not provide legal services. You should contact Uh, a lawyer in New Jersey." Interesting. So, so I think (laughs) I think for the minute, lawyers' minds can be put at ease. But I think that the winner is going to be the, you know, the provider that makes things very simple to use, yeah, and makes an interface that requires zero understanding of logic, for example, because, you know, when I create something in chat GPT, it might be in plain language, but I know how to get the logic in there that I'm looking for, even though it's in plain. It's going to become right. its own language over the years because I've been involved with software for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I do think that'll be the ultimate winner. I would say that I don't believe that people need to be worried for their jobs. You know, okay. if you go and look at that article that I put up, purely because I wanted to see what it was like before you and I spoke. Yeah, yeah. I can go through that and refine it. And I have my own tone. And I think if the AI is able to take on your own tonality, it doesn't make you obsolete anyway because it still needs to, you know, the genesis is still your brain, even though it's it's spitting. And and it's just making your job much easier. Mm. I was talking to someone yesterday in Australia who's a startup and – she's finding it really, really hard to generate a customer base and she doesn't understand how to create content.
0: Yeah. And
1: I said to her, you know, you don't, you've got a chicken and egg situation here, you know, you need to create the content to get the clients, but if you're not getting the clients, you can't afford to create the content. Mm-hmm. So I suggested she look at ChatGPT and the example I used for her was just a basic why it's not a good idea to do your own taxes. So I went to ChatGPT and said, yeah. write an article about why it's not a good idea to do your own taxes. And it gave me a brilliant article that if someone went and applied their own tone to it, could certainly really fast track content for these small business operators that don't have the money to employ people to do that content. Yeah. And that sort of methodology can be applied across everything. I don't think it's going to take jobs. I think it's going to, it's really going to evolve current jobs.
0: Okay. I got one more wild question for you out of left field. Alternative business structures in the U.S., Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you've worked in the UK, you've worked in Australia where that type of thing is allowed. Do you think that's coming to the US outside of Arizona and Utah? And how does that happen and how quickly?
1: So you're talking about the alternative business structures as far as having uh, non-lawyer ownership.
0: Non-lawyer ownership, non-legal yeah. services, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So from a, I think from a non-law, non-lawyer ownership perspective, look, I'm not a lawyer. Yes. And I think, personally, I think I could probably help inside a law firm. I would agree. I think that's fair. I I, over the years probably would have taken equity in a few friends' law firms and all those sorts of things had I been able to. And, you know, I I can't do that. Now, it all depends on who you ask. Like if you ask a lawyer or a bar association, a lot of the time they're against it. But I do think that lawyers are really limiting their ability to create really strong businesses by drawing on external knowledge in the business realm. Now, some lawyers are good at business, you know, and that's great, but not everyone is and a lot of them are not. And you and I have spoken to a lot of people who are not. (laughs) And if they were (laughs) able to bring in an external CEO who had experience in sales, in marketing, in lead generation, in finance, in reporting and understanding those reports, all the stuff you and I talk to firms about all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and be able to give them you know, equity in the business because that's what people at that level are looking yeah, for. Yeah, they want the They're looking for equity. Yeah. Um, they're not looking for a cash flow generator at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think that it is limiting to competition in law firms. I think yeah. it really narrows the ability for those smaller firms to grow and compete because it bars them from getting access to the best people. I think it's going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. But I think that it seems to just people that I speak to. It seems in New Jersey, it seems very unlikely for a long time. In New York, it seems very unlikely for a long time. Yeah, Utah and Arizona. Uh, you know, I've read a little bit about what they're doing, and hopefully, that does work and starts to allow that to propagate to the other states. Um, I think the ABA have got an opinion on it, but what I've found is it's largely what each individual state feels as what works yes. rather than what the ABA edict is. That's kind of what I've realized over you know the last yes. eight years of being yes. <laughs> here. Yes, yes. <that laughs> yeah. is true. I, I, I'm trying to be polite and, <laughs> and not say the ABA doesn't matter as much as the state bar associations, but that does seem to be you know the case for, in my I, I, experience. I'll say it for
0: you because that's true. <laughs> Chris, this was awesome. You were great. I'm glad you made it to New York City. I'm glad you made it to the podcast. Can you hang around for one last segment? Of course I can. Thanks, John. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your live practice. Then stay tuned. That's right, it's the rump roast. It's even more (laughs) supple than the roast beast. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust in general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com.
1: Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's JD McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you. I bet you he has got so many years of experience, like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Gee and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found.
0: Welcome back, everybody. That's right, here we are at the rear end of the legal toolkit. We call it the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short-form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. So, Chris, (laughs) as you mentioned before... You will uh, partake in an Australian vanilla slice every now and then. You're from Mm -hmm. Australia. So as someone who grew up in the U.S., my knowledge of Australian culture in the 80s was the Crocodile Dundee movies and potentially (laughs) The Rescuers Down Under. So I want to start setting the record straight. So we've done this before with other people from different parts of the world. I want to identify some Australian phrases, and then I want you to help me understand what they mean. And let me know if I've got the wrong definition, the right definition. Contribute as much as you feel. Are I'll you ready to best. play?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I'll do my best.
0: All right, let's start with coming up from my Google search. And just to be uh, clear, I didn't use Chat GPT for any of this. What is a budgie <laughs> smuggler? Are you familiar with this term?
1: Yes, a budgie smuggler is um, in the US, you would call them... It's swimming swimsuit. It's a swimsuit, speedo, yeah, but it's a very kind of S- tight uh, swimsuit. Swimsuit, yeah, yeah. They, I don't know, you know the, the speedo brand you used to see in the swimmers run in kind of the Olympics and that sort of stuff before they yes. had the bodysuits. Yeah, that's a budgie smuggler.
0: So the definition I had online, which I think is pretty good, these skimpy lycra briefs and the budgie. The budgie is parakeet in Australia, right?
1: Uh pretty much,
0: yeah. So the so the a idea budgery is gar that,
1: there the actual uh types of budgery gar they look a bit different, oh, but they right. yeah, similar.
0: I've learned some new Australian slang watching Bluey. So I will okay. cover this part. I'll be the crass one on the episode. So the budgie looks like the little bulge you get in the front of your Speedo. That's all exactly right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad we covered that. <laughs> now, here's another Australian term I've heard before that I think everybody knows, but I never knew the answer to what this meant. So, fair dinkum, what does that mean?
1: It's got a whole lot of different meanings to it. Um, Like, it can kind of mean, oh, really? Yeah, it's the real deal. It's kind of, there's a whole lot of different, and, you know, it's generational as well. Oh, really? my My father used to use it all the time. Huh. Um, I don't use it. I've never used it, and oh, I used to. I it used to irritate me when my father did use it because <laughs> I thought it, it kind of made us sound a little bit too strange to the rest of the world. And now, you know, is if you there a say,
0: replacement for a younger generation? Like, is there what would you use now?
1: Uh, no, we just speak like the rest of the world because <laughs> my, my my generation grew up with American television. And, uh, you know, gotcha. I watched Seinfeld, I watched Cheers, I watched all that sort of stuff. So I, I didn't really use a whole lot of Australian slang. But, you know, fair income has got a lot of different uses. So if you were to say, you know, I went and saw this great concert last night and I'd say, oh, fair income like, no way. Awesome. You know, like it could mean a whole yeah. lot of different things. So, yeah. this
0: is, so it's like falling out of use. So this is like as a mid-40s male, if I was to say something was cool to my kids, they would tell me to shut up. That's what we're talking about here. It's pretty much, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, here's another one. What's a dunny? It's a toilet. <laughs> okay. So here's what I here's what I want you to. I I saw also online thunderbox. Is that yes. something
1: that people use? <laughs> Again, these are very. I, that's very generational. I, thunderbox. I love, I but, love that. Uh, yeah.
0: I want to start yeah. using that in my own vocabulary. Yeah.
1: yeah. My, my father used to say thunderbox <laughs> and dunny. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. All right. Got two more for you. Okay. Um, this may be generational too. I may need mm-hmm. to upgrade my Google search capabilities. Do the Harold Holt. Is that a thing?
1: The Harold Holt. The yeah. Harold Holt was a one? prime minister that went missing when he went swimming. Right. right. Um, but I actually don't know it, no.
0: So that I guess that means you leave a party without telling someone goodbye, which is pretty, that's hardcore. Guy, <laughs> guy,
1: guy drowned <laughs> off the coast of Australia. Look, it, it is very Australian. <laughs> and we were very non-PC for a long time. <laughs> Um, I've heard which, other, which I really
0: enjoy, honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've heard other things like do the smoke ball, like people throw a fake smoke ball in front of them and kind of oh, back really? Away and just leave the party, but okay, yeah. I've uh, yeah, no, I've never heard it called the do the Harold Holt before. H- have I've you heard ever it heard it n- injuring? Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard the term Irish goodbye because that's what we say in Boston?
1: Yeah, it's the same, the yes. same thing Wouldn't you just probably, leave I think these anybody. days it's probably just as non PC. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's probably true all right i got one more for you which is a new one to me fuck me dead what does that mean
1: um it's like an expression of surprise or exasperation surprise or exasperation okay uh my father used to say it all the time all the time (laughs) your dad sounds like he was awesome if i hadn't if i hadn't cleaned my bedroom it'd be fuck me dead chris i thought i told you to do that yesterday (laughs) Yeah, so uh, yeah, it is, and, and it, that's not so generational. You still hear people say it. All right, today, good, yeah. good.
0: I mean, this was like this was really enlightening to me. Although I feel yeah. like I should have refined some stuff and looked at generational Australian phrases. I
1: mean, if you really got into it, a lot of it you probably actually couldn't put on this podcast. You'd have to change it from a PG rating. You know, we we got into uh, two F out. You probably we, we already, already have. We may already have.
0: Yeah, I think we're explicit across the board at this point. Well, thank you for having some fun with us. I appreciate it. My pleasure. This is really awesome. And I, yeah, I think we'll have to have a part two when you when uh, we'll talk about your new venture and maybe some more refined Australian phraseology.
1: I'd absolutely love it, Jared. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I know we've had a lot of informal chats yes. uh, over the years, but it's it's certainly great to get on your podcast. I think it's a great podcast. Though. Oh, thank you. have you. know, been a Long-time listener, as you know. We were almost a sponsor for a while there. Yes. Um, yes and, you yes. know, hopefully might be again at some point in the future. Happy uh, And keep up the great work. Love listening to it.
0: Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right, everybody. That's Chris Stock. We'll talk soon. Thank you. If you want to find out more about Chris Stock and CGS Advisory, visit cgsadvisory.us. That's cgs Advisory. US, now for those of you listening intently and in nowhere else tasmania australia i've got a great spotify playlist for you it's australia's greatest hits fuck yeah now i've run out of time to continue podcasting because i have a my sandwich i've got to eat but maybe next time i can talk more about my thoughts on airline peanuts they're bulky but i consider them a carry on this is jared korea reminding you that that swedish pump is not mine baby I swear. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at legaltalknetwork.com. We'll see you there.